to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is Evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. On our last podcast, we looked at the things that Paul did after he got saved, and we saw the importance of being part of healthy, functioning churches, especially so that new believers could grow into mature men and women of God. I challenged you to ask yourselves how your congregation is doing in these six areas indicative of spiritual health, glorifying God, having an atmosphere of worship, intimacy with God, a balance between biblical teaching and practical application, exuding warmth, care for others, having an outreach-oriented focus, and a contagious atmosphere. So how are our churches doing? As you've carefully considered these areas the past week, I hope the Holy Spirit has revealed some things to you, both positive and negative, so that you can help your church grow to be an even healthier and more effective congregation than it already is. Today, then, we move on through a big chunk of Acts chapter 9, as we see more of what Paul's early years as a Christian were like. Let's pick up the story in verse 23. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers." We're going to spend some time today tracing the early years of Paul's new life as a believer in order to see the season, so to speak, of Paul's life, seasons which he passed through and which we as individuals and as congregations will pass through as well. Immediately after his conversion, as we saw on our last podcast, Paul began preaching in Damascus for several days, as the Bible says. Then there is a break between verses 22 and 23 which Luke just simply describes by saying, after many days had gone by. Well, those many days turned out to be some three years, or portions of three years. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1. Here we see Paul's own words recalling his early years. Let's start at verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. 
But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. So Paul left Damascus, went to Arabia, and spent time alone with God there for three years. He may have spent time simply in the Arabian desert east of Damascus, or he may have traveled further. Some people speculate that the Lord may have led Paul to Mount Sinai, where Moses received the law that Paul was once so zealous for. There would be a certain appropriateness and irony to this, as God could have taught Paul the truth that Jesus Christ had come to fulfill the law that no man, not even a zealous man like Paul, could fulfill on his own. But wherever Paul would have spent those lonely, quiet years, they served as a necessary season in Paul's life. God had much to teach Paul, and so he did. Paul had many wounds, many hurts, to be soothed by the Holy Spirit. He had much guilt from his former life to be dealt with and worked through by the blood of Jesus. The Bible doesn't directly say what happened in those three years of solitude, but we can tell indirectly how God ministered to Paul during that time by seeing how Paul acted and what he said and did upon his return. After those three years, he returned to Damascus and then visited Jerusalem. Acts 9.26 says, When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. The other disciples didn't trust him, and I suppose with good reason. But then Barnabas steps in. Look at verse 47. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas, the son of encouragement as his name so appropriately means, will play a big part in Paul's life. And he is a powerful case study in and of himself. But that will have to wait for another day. For today, we see in verse 28, So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And then the Grecian Jews, his countrymen and fellow friends, tried to kill him. As a price was put on Paul's head, at this point, the Lord spoke to him in a vision. And Paul recalls this in Acts 22, verses 17 to 21. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people there will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And so Paul heard the voice of God calling him away to another harvest field, another people, and he obediently went, with the help of the other Christian brothers in Jerusalem. On his way, the Bible says that he stopped in Caesarea, where he probably met Philip the Evangelist, who had already settled there. 
You can imagine the meeting that first century day. The first moments when Stephen's friend met his former accuser face to face for the first time. You can imagine the bitterness that Philip must have had to overcome as he stared into the face of the man who gave approval to his friend Stephen's stoning. You can imagine the shame that Paul must have felt as a flashback to his former life haunted him for that painful moment. And you can imagine the relief that both of them must have experienced as with one fell swoop, the sword of the lion of the tribe of Judah came crashing down, separating the cruel talons of bitterness from Philip's heart and removing forever the haunting memory of shame over a sin that had been confessed and forgiven from Paul's mind. You can imagine the warmth of their embrace as they realized finally, through the grace of God, that they were on the same team now, blood brothers, brothers bought by the blood of Christ. And then Paul left Caesarea, the Bible says, and went to Tarsus, his old hometown. And he settled there for some time, as we shall see another day. So what did happen to Paul during those three years in the Arabian desert? What did God do to this man who was to change the world? What happened during this season of Paul's life? Well, what happened during that season was that God placed within Paul his heart. He taught Paul to love the things that he loves and to hate the things that he hates. The Lord gave Paul a heart for unbelievers, a burden for the lost, and a passion for souls that we can see evident in the things he did and, and said upon his return. During those three years, the Lord ministered to Paul, binding up his wounds, speaking to his guilt and shame. It was a needed time, a needed season. Paul had to spend that time focusing inward on himself, but only for a season. When that season of Paul's life was over, God sent him back out to heal others. God knows that there are times to focus our attention inwardly on ourselves, to be healed and ministered to, to spend time alone with him in the desert, so to speak, but only for a season. When that time is over, then it is our privilege and responsibility to begin a new season in life and to do as Paul did, change our focus from ourselves and instead toward others and to do whatever we can to bless them the way that we have been blessed ourselves. To not change our focus, to not change the object of our attention when seasons change in our lives would be like keeping on wearing your winter coat even when the warmth of spring bursts through the cold of winter. Just as seasons change, changes in our lives are needed in order to adapt and move ahead. Now, so far today, many of you are probably thinking, now what was that one healthy mark of a church again? Wasn't it a balance between biblical teaching and practical application? <laughs> you may be thinking, this is all well and good, this deep biblical knowledge, but what is there that I can take home with me today? Or more crassly, thanks preacher, but so what? Well, here's what. When people experience deep hurts and wounds, intense difficulties in their lives, the Lord knows they need mending. This becomes a season in their lives when an inward looking focus is needed. But once those wounds have been soothed, at least to the extent that that season in their lives has ended or is changing, 
then this change of seasons invites a change of focus. Just as Paul's season of focusing inward in the Arabian desert set the stage for a change to an outward focus, looking at meeting the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of others, so too this change in seasons for people is a call from God to take their eyes off of themselves and the legitimate needs that they have had to deal with and instead place their focus on others in their communities, both inside and outside their churches. The word then is that for many of you, the Lord has dealt sufficiently with you during your season of need, and now He has a desire to use you to bless others in the same way, with their deep needs, in this changing season of your life. But perhaps the key point of relevance in this word for us today is that our churches and our communities, and yes, even our world, are all in the middle of a spiritual teeter-totter, so to speak. We could really go either direction spiritually, depending on what choices we make in the next short while. If we choose to remain focusing inward on ourselves, on our needs, when the season for that is changing for many, then our churches, our community, and our planet will miss out on the great potential of being used significantly here and now by God. If, on the other hand, we have ears to hear God's word for us today, and we take our eyes off of ourselves and place our focus and vision squarely on the unmet needs and spiritual darkness of so many, both inside and outside our churches, then God promises us the blessings of obedience, fruit beyond what we could ask or imagine. So then, as you see, the question is, will our focus be contently and perhaps fearfully on maintaining what we have? Or will our vision expand to see where God wants us to move, how God wants us to grow, and the extent to which He wants to use us to extend His kingdom locally and globally? The responsibility for which we, your community, your church, even your nation will move spiritually in these days rests squarely on your collective shoulders. Will you seize the strategic time that the Lord has placed you in now? Let us not underestimate the tremendous responsibility and the tremendous privilege that God has given you and I for the spiritual destinies of the people in our communities and our world today. We, like Paul, are only meant to stay in the desert for so long until our wounds are mended. Then we are to go back into our world and begin mending the wounds of others through the Word of God, the blood of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Ghost. As always, my friends, I look so forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit uses His Word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.